Welcome to episode one in the second series of the Lifespan live podcast series. My name is Eugene Saravali and I am the general manager and head of compliance of Lifespan Financial Planning. We're excited to share with you some of the insights and stories from not only the Lifespan team, but also from our advisors and also some other third parties that we'll invite along. We encourage you to share any feedback that you may have along the way. And today I'm particularly excited to have Ian Chowdhury from Australian Financial Practitioners join us to talk about preparation for the FASEA exam. Welcome, Ian. Thank you very much for that, Eugene. Ian, to provide a, a brief background of the exam experience, and I, I know there's been a lot of talk and all the advisors can find out about the, you know, the nitty gritty of it, um, such as, you know, we know the exam lasts for three and a half hours, there's going to be at least 70 questions 64 minimum going to be multiple choice and short answers to follow. But I'd like to ask you more about how to prepare for the exam, you know, and I've certainly received a lot of questions in this regard. And what I'd like to start off asking you is probably what is not relevant to passing the exam? I think that's a good starting point, Eugene, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Now, the very first thing which is not relevant is your age, whether you are 40 years old, 60 years old, or 80 years old, it doesn't matter. The second thing which I think is important, your education level is not relevant either, whether you've got a basic diploma, or whether you've got a bachelor's degree, or a master's degree, or a doctorate, it's also not relevant. But the one I found quite amazing is computer skills. You don't really need much in computer skills, as long as you know how to look at the screen. And the other one which I've heard many people say, you have to type really fast. Typing speed is not relevant, and I'll explain that a little bit later on. Thanks, Ian, for that. I think that highly relevant piece of information there for our advisors, especially for those that might be struggling with sitting an exam and they haven't done so for quite a long time. So what do you consider to be a very important aspect in sitting the exam? Passing the exam, which is relevant to any exam really, is the exam technique. And so I think that is the most important part to keep in your mind as you're going into the exam room. Okay. And um, can you elaborate a little bit more on the exam techniques? What sort of things, you know, preparation for okay, before sitting the exam? Okay. All right, Eugene. Let me start with preparation. The very first part is that when you look up the exam in the professional uh, webpage, the reading material is so large, by the time you read that, you've earned yourself a doctorate degree. So I think the most important part is to reduce what you're going to read because there's just too much. And what I've reduced it to is really four very short articles I think you need to look at. The very first one is Fassel's Code of Ethics itself. And when you go on the website, you'll find that it's called FG002. There's two documents. Have a read of those. And then there's a privacy principles, a privacy principles, Go on their, their website, and that's fact sheet 17. It's just one pager, or two pages, I think. Astrak uh, has a red flag guideline on their website. That's a, definitely a one pager. And the Tax Practitioners Board has an information sheet, I think it's called TP1. So those four documents are actually essential to understand to sit the exam. Everything else is nice to know, including the several hundred pages of corporation law but I'm not going to read them. Fantastic, Ian. And there is reference material available during the exam, correct? Ah, uh, yes, yes. 
When we, um, before you go into the exam, number one point, I think, is to really read the Facile Code of Ethics. It's a one-page summary they've got out. Just read it so you understand it, the 12 standards and the five values, and try to memorise that. Now, when you actually go into the exam room, you'll find that you have some time to do some reading, and you also have a blank piece of paper next to you to write things on it if you want to, and that's called a, a cheat sheet, for example. And I'm going to suggest, when permitted, write on that piece of paper the 12 standards and the five values. So it's always in front of you. And when you write the 12 standards, write a few words next to them so you know. So just don't write standard six and leave a blank. Put standard six and that's the informed consent one, for example, or whatever one you want. Just learn the few words there, not much. And as you're doing the exam, uh, Eugene's absolutely right. There'll be a case study there uh, for you to read and some questions of it. And you actually have the reference material you can go to. But I'm going to advise you not to go to the online reference material because as soon as you do that, you'll waste a lot of time and cause a massive amount of confusion. So forget the reference material. The, the case study's there, and next to it, it refers to the standards they want to talk about, and off you go. Well, that's really insightful, Ian. Thanks for that. What about the actual questions and the way, the way they've phrased People, I well, advisors have raised concerns with me about you know not maybe it's that they've got a, a they concentrate on one area of advice. Let's say, let's say they do investments and they do very little insurance, so they're worried about a, a question that's centered around insurance. My take on this is to remove the technical aspect of it surrounding the question. Yes, I think the case studies are worded in such a way that as financial advisors, we just simply focus on how we're going to solve the problem first. That's the last thing to do. Actually, you don't want to do that. But you, they do not want to know the technical stuff. You already have that information. What the examiners want to find out is, do you understand the code and can you apply that to that case study? Not whether you know what investments to do and what pension fund to use and all that. That's not relevant. But I think a lot of people get confused on that point. So it's a good one, Eugene. Yeah, so I, I would say that if it's a, a question that has some technical aspect around it, is to remove the technical aspect or perhaps even replace it with something you're comfortable with because it's really how you as advisor react to the situation that you're placed in. Would you say that's a fair summary of that, Ian? Uh, yes, I, I would would say you're absolutely spot on there. But the ones where they are really focusing a lot on the technical part in the in the case study is just to throw you, and they're the ones which usually require you to write a short answer. So I'm going to suggest to you that you don't write paragraphs. You just use dot point format, which are short sentences. Mm -hmm. And in those short sentences, try to cover a few code standards in each of those answers. And that way you haven't really talked about the technical stuff at all. Okay. What about when you're coming near to the end of the exam? Or before we get to that, is there any other points that you'd like to share with us, Sam? Yeah. I'm going to talk about a concept which I used to teach when I was in university, uh, and that is how to actually sit the exam. So as, as Eugene just mentioned, a lot of the questions are multiple-answer multiple type of questions, which we all think are simple, but we get confused on them all the time. So I'm going to suggest you go in a routine, which is a, a four-step process. The very first step, of course, is to read the question-case study. Then read 
the answer, the multiple choice answers I give you, or give yourself a few minutes to think about a possible answer. This is the step which everybody misses out on, or not everybody, most people do. Reread the exam question and case study slowly, and then refer to your cheat sheet and see what code of ethics would actually apply to that. And then you are in a position to answer it. Doing that will only take you a few minutes, if that. Now, when you go to answer the multiple choice questions, uh, it's very important that you will find that in the answers they provide to you, usually two of the answers are very close to each other. And again, I'm going to suggest you not to go into the online reference material trying to find the answer. If you cannot work out the answer when you read it, leave it alone, make a note on your uh, cheat sheet so you can quickly go back to it, and then move on to the next question. So what you're continuously doing is moving along on the exam paper. Yeah, very good, Ian. Um, what about the aspect about people feeling nervous and not having done an exam for a long time? I believe this might apply to yourself. You, you hadn't done studies for quite a long time and probably hadn't sat for an exam for a long time. Do you have any tips on how to control those nerves that might start to set in? Uh, yes, um, it, it's absolutely true. I haven't sat exams for a very long time, but I do uh, I do remember doing that. <laughs> but what I try to do in the exam is I take the view that when I first start the exam, that I know my stuff. I know the code of ethics. That's why I say to you, try to memorize that one page summary on the code of ethics. Then you'll feel very comfortable going to the exam. Number two, that reading material I outlined before, which is very basic, uh, to read. If you read that a few times before going to the exam, you will feel very comfortable. So the psych, when you walk in the room, is I know my stuff. And all you're going to do now is demonstrate it. And I think if you have to go in the room in that way of thinking, you will pass. Great. And, and what about when we, you know, advisors have sat there three, three and a half, well, almost three and a half hours, let's say they're towards the end. What about going through and checking, make sure they haven't missed any questions? Yep. Um, as you may recall, a moment ago I said to you, uh, when we are going through the questions, if you can't answer one or you feel uncomfortable with, it, with, it, with the answers given to you, write that on your cheat sheet. So before the exam finish the time allocation, and if you have time, go to your cheat sheet and then go to those questions and see whether you can start answering those. Whatever you do, do not go back to your multiple choice questions and have a read of them. Because as soon as you do that, it will lead to panic and you'll start changing them. Leave them alone, because I'm sure the first answer you gave is going to be the right answer. Fantastic. Thanks, Ian. And I believe, just if I can touch on how you've helped Lifespan Advisors, you, you've made yourself available for any advisor that would like more help in this area. And if they want to reach out to you, they can do through us you're happy for us to pass on your details and you're more than happy to do one-on-one -on -one training or one-on-one -on -one preparation, as it were, with the advisor leading up to the exam. Yeah, no problem with that, Eugene, at all. But the funny thing is, not many people come through you. They actually ring me directly. I've spoken to quite a few people, and almost all that have one thing in common. They are frightened of the exam. And the reason they're frightened about the exam is because all the people are talking about how hard it is. It is not a hard exam. You just focus on what I've said to you. Yeah, and they had the opportunity of doing a reset, although at this um, late stage in the game, if they haven't set it by now, I think 
they can register for the May exam and then have another go of it in November. Uh, have yeah. you had any experience with any of the advisors resitting the exam? I had um, two people to resit the exam, and that's the reason they called me. And uh, I basically gave them the outline I've just given you, Eugene, of how to do the exam. And I think the problem they had wasn't knowledge, it was how to sit the exam. The exam technique, which is none of the reading material, is actually the most important part of doing this exam. And both of them, well, I know one has definitely passed, and I think the other one did as well. Uh, one, another colleague rang me who, uh, whose English ability wasn't very good, and she was very concerned about the amount of typing and computer skills. And when I said, just do short answers, like dot points, and, the, um, and you work your way through that, um, she's part, she came back and said she passed the exam. A couple of the guys who have spoken to me have said they're a little bit old because they're in their 60s and thinking of, you know, is it worth doing the exam and going through all this hassle? And what I did for those people, I said, look, instead of reading all the material they suggest you to, which would take you weeks, I think, just focus on those four short articles and understand the code of ethics in terms of that one-page summary done by Faisal, and I'm pretty sure you'll be okay. But when you go on the exam, as I said before, do not start thinking about failure. Remember, you you know your stuff and you are confident that you will pass the exam and you will pass. So I think what you're saying is concentrate on those four documents that you mentioned earlier um, right. and to study those rather than study the whole, you know, Corpse Act and all the reading material that FASIA recommends on their website. Concentrate on those four documents. Stay calm, be positive, and you'll get through this. Yes, and you also can drink water, by the way. Um, so you can do that. You can take your water bottle with you and get up and drink your water. And um, one thing which somebody told me before I went to do my exam, which was absolutely correct, take comfortable earplugs because people, you'll find people are typing a thousand words a second on their keyboards. I don't know why, but they're doing that. So those keyboards get very noisy. So you might want to wear earplugs. Yes, I do remember when I sat it, I could hear the, the, the keyboards clacking away quite distinctly. And some of them yeah. clacking away right from the word go, as if they yeah. jumped straight to the uh, <laughs> the short answer questions, but we're doing more than just short answers. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, absolutely right. They're writing paragraphs after paragraphs. Which is not I remember required. The, yeah. I remember I, I think, uh, someone asked me, how do I time, how much time do I spend on the question, how much do I spend on the um, short answer, and I suggested to them not to worry about the time. Just go through those four steps in order, continuously as you're doing the test. Don't worry at the time. Don't panic about, I've only got one minute and 68 seconds to do this question. Or so. Don't do that. Just keep moving on. Just keep moving. Yeah, and, and, and if they um, happen to get stuck on a multiple choice, usually there'll be two that can immediately be ruled out, and, and then it's a choice between the two that are left. And you can use your, you know, reasoning and deduction to actually narrow it down to the correct answer sometimes without knowing the answer, without seeing the answer straight away. That's right. You can, and, and if you can't work it out, as I said before, just write that question number on your cheat sheet. And if you've got time, go back to it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ian. Um, thank you for joining me today. And if any advisor would like further assistance from Ian to prepare for their exam, please don't hesitate to either contact Ian directly or if you'd like his contact details, contact us here at Lifespan Head Office and we'll pass the details on to you or 
do the introduction for you. Again, Ian, thank you very much for your time today and sharing the wisdom of preparation for the FASEA exam. Thank you, Eugene, and I wish everybody who's listening to this the very best of luck and you will pass. Thanks again, Ian. Bye-bye.